0: Hello lovely ladies, welcome to the Lessons I Learned podcast, where I share what I've learned and am still learning about marriage, mothering, friendship, health and wellness, spiritual growth, and everything in between. I'll be learning right along with you, as many of my guests have such great things to say. So, get ready to listen, grow, be open and teachable, and get ready to learn and have fun doing it. My guest today is just a class act. She's a lovely Southern belle who actually chooses to divide her time between the hot heat of Uganda and the cold temps in Buffalo, New York. Sounds strange at first, I know, but it's for good reason. You'll hear why in my conversation on Redefining Success with Gary Meacham. Today, I am so thrilled to have A gorgeous, graceful woman in my presence. Now, not every podcast interview I do, I have someone face-to-face with me. A lot of them are phone calls, but I get to spend the next half hour or so face-to-face with Gary Meacham. Hello, Gary. How are you doing? Hi, Danielle. (laughs) So glad to be here with you, my friend. Ah, thank you. Well, it's been awesome to get to know you the last year or so, off and on. And I say off and on because... You live a little bit in Buffalo, but then you also spend some of your time in Tennessee, and then you're all the way over in Africa. You're kind of bouncing all over the world. Um, So for my listeners, I'll just share a little bit about you, Gary, what my experience is of you, and then I'll have you um, just share a little bit with the listeners about who you are. Um, So our mutual friend, Pam Farrell, shout out to Pam. Hey, Pam, if you're listening. Um, So... A couple years ago, she gave me a little um, email. I don't know if it was like a group email or something like that, but she sent me this message saying, we have friends, um, some mutual friends that are moving to the Buffalo area and it'd be great for you guys to connect with them. And um, we had so many things in common. I couldn't believe it. You are a writer and a speaker. And I feel like a little bit of a foodie too. Maybe you enjoyed food a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but the coolest part for us, for the Macaulay family was you are a baseball family, you and your husband, Bobby. Um, And the reason you came to Buffalo area was to manage the Bisons, the Buffalo Bisons. And as most of my listeners who know my family, maybe follow me on social media, you know I have a diehard baseball fan. Keaton is like off the charts baseball. Um, So we have just gotten to know each other sitting at baseball games um, and chatting. And I've just learned how lovely of a lady you are and how much wisdom you have to share and so i'm so glad you're here with me today um so thank you just let i would love to find out a few more things about you and the listeners can um just hear a little bit about
1: you as well so share with us just who you are what you love a little bit and we'll go from there Oh, that's so great. It's so wonderful to get to be with you. And we do typically see each other at baseball games yes. here in Buffalo. So um, for many people, they may not know Buffalo Bisons. It's not nas- a national team that is recognized, but we have been, my husband, Bobby, and I, we've been in Pro baseball mm-hmm. for 38 years now. And wow. the bisons is the triple-A affiliate, the minor league affiliate for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes. So my husband Bobby and I start we started dating in college, both at San Diego State. He was a first-round draft pick out of San Diego State and then played his major league career with the New York Yankees. Um, but since then he's been a manager, a coach, and Um, and also in front office positions uh, for the last 28 years. And so that's what brought us to Buffalo. And we've lived virtually in regions all around the country due to baseball. But also I'm a really a world traveler. I never know what airport I'm in during the month. I'm traveling several times uh, every month, uh, it seems. But between Uganda, I run a place in Uganda called The Vine, Mm -hmm. and it's an organization for women and children there in a very underserved area called Kamuli in Uganda. And we've been doing that for about the last five years. As well as being based in Houston, Um, our ministry, Truly Fed Ministries, is based in Houston. And basically, we also do work with women, uh, women's events. We're in the process of uh, putting on a conference called Rise Up for Mm -hmm. Writers of Film. We want you there, Danielle, and anybody listening that's interested writers, bloggers, filmmakers, um, and also speakers and leaders people that are trying to lead nonprofit or lead even uh, Bible study or lead anything, right? speak, lead is really our heart. And so we do all of that. All of that. So we wear definitely many hats, but mm-hmm. uh, our life is never dull. That's no, for sure. No, I can
0: tell that. You're not sitting on the couch too much, just <laughs> flipping channels. You've no. got a lot going on for mm. sure. Um, so, okay, before we dive in, um, let's have some fun, a little bit of fun here. So maybe you can share with our listeners, like I always try to get just some off the cuff things. So what's your favorite store to shop in or like thing to do when you're shopping? Like I'm an antiquer. I like going into old barns and stuff. Um I love Hobby Lobby. But what about you? Like where if you have a day
1: off a girls' day, what are you gonna do? Oh that's such a good question. I I do love barns. Barns. Yeah. I if I could live in a barn, I would. I, I love a barn, but I love the store Anthropology. I oh,
0: me That's too. That's one of my favorites. I love the Anthropology sale rack.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, thank you. Yeah. Same here. It's a the beautiful
0: store. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's yes. such
1: a beautiful store. I, I don't love get that. in
0: there often. There's one in the Galleria Mall in um, in Buffalo here. Oh, but I just don't. You didn't know that? Well, I you, did not know. So there is, but I feel like every time I'm in that mall, I'm with three other boys who don't want to go in. So maybe we should go together sometime (laughs) and uh, check out the racks there. I love Anthrop. I love their jewelry. I love their, um, I feel like I have one of their mugs and some of their little kitchen gadgets and things. It's a Mm -hmm. fun store. All right, let's do one more. Um, So what, hmm, if you were to sit down, which you don't do a lot, if you were to sit down and turn on the channel,
1: what would you gravitate to? Where would you go? Oh wow. You know, I loved Downton Abbey and The oh, Crown and I okay. love those shows. Yep. Um we recently watched Anne with an E with oh, with yep. uh, our family which was really a fun uh show. Uh, just wow, I love I love all kinds of different shows. Um but I rarely have a lot of time. I hate <laughs> to say it, you know, but but uh yeah, Bobby and I have watched several series that we okay. loved as well, but Some, but something yeah. tells me he wasn't really wanting to watch Anne with an E Or uh, no, <laughs> he did not watch that. And even Downton Abbey, he's like. Babe, that was a whole episode on a candlestick, (laughs) being (laughs) missing. But I'm like, but it was so good. You know, so I've
0: heard, many people have told me that I would like it, and I haven't actually sat down and watched it, but okay, now I have to, because you're another one. Um, So what I really wanted to sit down and share um, with the listeners um, and talk to you about is something we kind of have shared about a little bit when we're sitting at the baseball diamond, um, but I know... Um, You would have so much to say on and just uh, the idea. So my podcast, um, the the overarching theme is called Lessons I Learned. And so we want to sit down. I want to sit down and learn lessons from every woman, or even if there's been a few men that have um, shared with me, Um, what have you learned through your life? And in particular for you, you, um, as the listeners have heard, you have Um, come to a pinnacle, especially like Bobby was a Yankee, like that is something where people would look at and go, okay, he's reached this, you've reached the pinnacle of success, what the world would look at and go, they've made it. And um, so it's interesting though, because following you on social media, here you are, um, this woman, this gorgeous, beautiful woman from Houston, Texas, and you're sitting cross-legged with a bunch of African kids in Uganda. Why on earth would you want to do that? And so I wanted to um, dive into just the idea of redefining success because I have a feeling, um, I don't know your full story, but I have a hunch you might say, that success has looked a little different for you. Hmm. And so start way back when, and maybe just share with the listeners kind of um, your trek um, you know, through your life. You mentioned a brief here and there, and then share what you're doing now. And um, I'd just love to learn from you.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's a great question, really. How do we define real success? Mm-hmm. I think it's a surprising answer. Mm-hmm. And I believe that one day, you know, when we really do stand before the Lord, we may be quite surprised at what was so successful in our lives and what perhaps wasn't. Mm -hmm. But in sports, um, you know, everything is defined or success is defined on on how popular you are and how much money you make and what your numbers show. Mm-hmm. And so for for me, my first introduction into famous or being famous, I would say, or success in those terms mm-hmm. was obviously with my husband, Bobby. And we got married when we were 22. So we really rode this road of fame together in terms of baseball. And he was a quick rising star. I mean, he was drafted and then was in the major leagues as the starting shortstop three years later Mm. with the Yankees. It wasn't a long, drawn-out minor league career for him. It was actually quite quick. And, you know, I think I was so naive to what was happening. I didn't really understand at the time. And looking back, I'm glad I was. I didn't understand how much... Everybody was obsessing over him and what he did every night on TV and what that looked like. I was just trying to figure out life yeah. myself at that age. And what we found was that Bobby's career didn't quite go the way we thought. Um, he he played for 10 years, but only five of them in the major leagues. And even that time frame was a bit choppy. It, he didn't become the, the great grand star with the longevity that we hoped mm. but it was during those years i believe that he and i learned some of the most valuable lessons about living in the public eye or what the world might call fame it's a very lonely distracting world mm-hmm. and even now i love so many ball players that are right in the heart of that time frame of their lives and I often try to just keep them grounded yeah. by what is real and what is a, an illusion. And it's even more difficult now with social media and every yeah, every moment of our life being chronicled, you know, mm-hmm. and we fall into the traps of wanting to chronicle it ourselves. Yeah. And so, you know, it it can truly be a trap. But I will tell you that for myself personally as a woman, I I was very much living this journey with Bobby, but after his major league career was over, he went into coaching in the minor leagues, mainly because we had no other options. Hmm. He hadn't graduated. He was a first round draft pick our junior year in school. And so I went to teaching, which is what I knew. And he was, you know, managing and coaching these minor league teams around the country for very little pay. Mm. So that was the bulk of 16 years after his major league career and we prayed and prayed Danielle you would not believe how much we prayed <laughs> to get back to the major leagues as a coach uh you know thinking that that would bring us quick success financial help mm-hmm. you know back into that limelight but as God would have it it took 16 years for him to get back and so I speak to your listeners anybody that's been praying for something for a long period of time, I just want to encourage them to keep on persevering mm. because you don't ever know why God's doing it and what time frame he's using right. to truly move mountains in your yeah. life. Bobby got his first opportunity back as a major league coach uh, with uh, a manager named Joe Girardi. Mm-hmm. And we were with the Florida Marlins for one year and then they fired Joe. Which meant we got fired after 16 years of praying to get back to that spot in the major leagues. It lasted for one year. Well, then the following year, we got picked up as a major league coach with the San Diego Padres. And the next year, Joe Girardi, same manager with the Marlins, was given the Yankee job. And so he asked Bobby to come over as the third base coach for the New York Yankees. And of course, that was the dream job, the pinnacle of all coaching jobs in Mm. really the world. And so he said, yes. Now for myself, I had been teaching school all of these years and also serving as a consultant for Public Education Business Coalition, but my real heart's desire was to write books and to speak for women. So to write books, uh, nonfiction, or Bible studies, all of that was my passion since I was 20, but was not able to actually live out that passion. So when Bobby got the Yankee job, I saw that as my ticket to be able to actually fulfill the dreams of my life as well. Mm -hmm. So his life was always and always has been around the major leagues of baseball. But for me, mine was around getting published, hmm. being a a published author. In the meantime of teaching, I I wrote for a sports magazine for eight years. I would do anything where I could get a byline, you know, mm-hmm. so I really honed my craft and got better at it. I didn't just sit there and dream of some big publishing deal, but right. but certainly I saw his job with the Yankees as my ticket to truly full-time pursue My dream. And so I quit my job in education and my job in consulting. And that first year with the Yankees was amazing and a bit wild at the same token. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, my very first game back at Yankee Stadium, uh, I got a call from, from Kim Girardi, who is the manager's wife, one of my best friends. And on my way driving to the stadium, she said, Gare, there's a wife on the team who's in desperate need. Her husband's really a mess and she needs to talk to you. I told her all about you. Will you meet with her? Mm -hmm. I said, of course. So mind you, this is my first game back at Yankee Stadium as a coach's wife, a pinnacle. I've left my job. I just cannot Mm -hmm. wait for what the future holds. So I meet with this wife. She's a superstar's wife. I won't say her name just to protect her identity, but she shares with me that her husband is dating a very popular pop star. It's about to hit the press. Oh boy! She had just had a baby six weeks earlier, I believe, and they also had a toddler, and she was terrified, really just terrified for her life. Her husband had a bit of a violent tendency, but really terrified about her future. And mm-hmm. so I encouraged her in the Lord. I prayed over her. And by that next Monday, she was basically kicked out of her household, and I never saw her again. But what translated for Bobby and I in our life was we really prayed for this particular player that entire season. We never confronted him. Bobby never had a conversation with him about what I knew from his wife. But at the end of that season, that particular player had gone to the ownership and said that he wasn't comfortable with Bobby as his coach. Hmm. So we ended up losing that dream job after oh, only wow. one year. Now, mind you, I had quit my job. Um, we were really depending on that job and the longevity of that job. And also, I, right in that same time frame. got news that my very first uh, book was being published by a small publishing house, but published nonetheless. I really saw that my dreams were starting to take fruit, but I didn't see how I could continue, mm-hmm. given that we now had no salary. right? And because Bobby took the high road, he didn't do a lot of press and interviews on this particular player. As a matter of fact, we didn't divulge his identity at all, which made it hard for Bobby to get a job in baseball. They knew that he and the manager, Joe Girardi, were best friends. Why in the world would he get fired right. from the best job in baseball? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, It was really a rough period. We ended up the next year taking the lowest of the low jobs, (laughs) a hitting coach job in the lowest of the minor leagues Hmm. um, in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. (laughs) And it was a rough year. I mean, all year, I didn't know how we were going to make our house note. I didn't know how we were going to pay for college payments. We had three kids um, in college, one going into college that year. I didn't know how we were going to get by. But you know, during that season, in the low minor leagues, after reaching the pinnacle of all our dreams and success, yeah God showed us a different measure of success, mm. and It was during that time frame that we learned how to really trust. I mean, I thought I knew how to trust before, but during that time frame, I learned such lessons of trust mm-hmm. that it's not it, it 's easy to trust when your bank is full or when you know that you've got a paycheck, or you know that you know your health is fine, or you know right. your kids are fine, but when you really are in moments of crisis, mm-hmm. and there's no quick answer, yeah. that's when we really see who and how we trust. Mm-hmm. Before we continue, if you're liking what you're hearing and you want more,
0: head over to patreon.com slash macaulays to support our ministry and keep us going. Now, let's get back to the conversation.
1: And so for me, that baseball season was really learning how to trust. As God would have it, the the next year, Bobby was asked to be a major league coach in Houston for the Houston Astros. And we moved there. We moved our whole household there. And it truly changed the trajectory of my life. In that time frame, I went to Uganda for the very first time Mm -hmm. and uh, saw things there, experiencing there that I had never, ever seen or even imagined you know, we think we know poverty here, and I was that person who would say things like, "Why go across the ocean to help someone when right. we have enough needy people here?" But you know what, Danielle? There's there's poor, and then there's poor.
0: Yes. There's mm-hmm. poverty,
1: yeah. and then there's real poverty. Yeah. And I experienced things there that truly changed my life, and that's where um, I decided to co-found a, a, a organization that. I named the vine Mm -hmm. based on John 15, where Jesus says he's the vine and we're the branches. So, uh, you know, it was shortly after that, that I personally got the book deal of my life. Mm. I personally got the dream book deal by one of the best publishing houses in the industry. I had an agent that I fought hard to get. um, And I had one little book under my belt, but I came in strong with an idea for a powerhouse book, which just blew all these um, publishing houses out of the water. As a matter of fact, something happened called an auction. My idea for that book went to auction. And Mm. that meant that all the big publishing houses were fighting against each other for it. Mm. And my agent was just as shocked as I was, but (laughs) truly believed in what we were doing. And Again, I was so naive to what was happening. I just knew my dreams were coming true. I signed a huge book deal, a three-book deal that included also a fourth uh, book, which was a workbook, a DVD series. It was worth a lot of money, Mm -hmm. and I just felt so fulfilled, so happy. But again, as God would have it, sometimes His definition of success is completely different than ours. Mm. And... In the process of the next year or two years um, of trying to crank out a book per year, our family went through some major upheaval with some trauma that my middle daughter was experiencing in her life, and I just felt like I couldn't measure up to the expectations of the publishing house. Mm -hmm. They compared me, often and always, to one of the best writers and speakers in the world. And I just could not measure up to that expectation. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anyone can right. in such a world of comparison that we live in now. Yep. Um, I just could not, I could not measure up, and mm-hmm. I felt like such a failure. But it, when it was all said and done, they took the third book off the table, and I, I felt like I had failed as a writer, as a speaker, as a leader, at the same time, though, Uganda was growing, and what I saw happening with women and children there at the vine was expanding and growing mm-hmm. and so that's why I say danielle it's, it's we just don't know yes <laughs> and so
0: I do want to hear about that, but before just listening to your story, I'm just imagining you know so many times um, people look at other people who might have a recognizable name or a a certain recognizable um, uh, car in their parking and their driveway or something like that and go, okay, they've got it all together. Um, they're living the life. And then, um, to hear your story and to know you have the same fears and feeling like a failure. And so you've got, you guys kind of went up like this and then you had some time going down like this. And, um, right away I'm thinking of, um, it's so funny how we often, our idea of success, like when we were younger and Dan in the music industry, we didn't do sports, but we did music mm-hmm. and his idea, our idea of success was, I can remember certain, um, venues or places, uh, or conventions or different things or camps that if we could just do that, we've made, that's, right. that's what our dream is. And then here we go. We've done that, been there, done that now what and right. and you're not fulfilled and um you know there's been times that my husband has battled that well we I've struggled it's been like you said 16 years and we're we're struggling and all of that um, and I just want to do something for the Lord. Like we, we, it comes from a good place. We want right. to be effective for God's kingdom and ha- make a difference, and all of that. And we think in our minds that if we make it to a certain point, then we will have success with that. And I, I'm, just as you were speaking, I remembered a story that my husband told me when he was on the road speaking um, and kind of pouring into some worship. Um, it was just a small little church. Up north in Canada, like way in the boonies with the bears, there was maybe a group of 10, 11, 12 uh, worship leaders, and um, he was talking about success and our our struggle to make sure that our heart is in the right place when we're doing what we're doing on a stage or that kind of thing. And a, 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 I think I think it was a teenager at that time came up to Dan after and he said, "You know, Dan, Dan, you you so." Um, Candidly shared your struggles with why haven't I made it to be the Chris Tomlin or the, you know, Mm -hmm. whoever's successful in the industry right now. Um, But I want to let you know something. If you were Chris Tomlin right now and that success, you wouldn't be here ministering wow. to us wow. in this setting up north in Ontario. Chris Tomlin right. ain't ever gonna come here, <laughs> and you are making a difference here. And so I just think like listening to you, and of course the Lord can explode our ministry and do what He ha- wants to do, and will use is using people, but. You know, it's in the small places. That's right. That we make a difference too. That's right. That is like you said, God is probably when we get there, he's looking and he's gonna be You know what, Gary, I'm proud of you for that. Mm-hmm. Not that over there. So share yes. with the listeners what you're doing in Uganda. And um, you know, you just posted something on Instagram recently, and I literally did. I saw you, you were like up on a table, cross-legged, sweaty and Sharing with all of these beautiful dark, dark black faces in Uganda, um, and I can't help but think of that story that I just told you about Dan. That those people, and maybe they didn't vocalize that, but the the people that you're impacting there that are—it's th- a
1: thankless thing. It's a mm. thankless thing. So yeah. share what you're doing there. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, it, it's interesting what you said. I love that story because so often i've i've traversed this country america in some of the smallest churches, or some of the most backwoods convention centers, or or, or campsites, or mm-hmm. wherever, and and I've I've said to the Lord, this isn't glamorous. You know, I always kind of thought mm-hmm. the whole thing would be so glamorous. Yes. Oh, I <laughs> but, always tell people that we you know, what
0: we do, it is not glamorous. It's not, Traveling glamorous. Is not glamorous. It
1: is not glamorous. But often in Uganda, and you know, I've spoke at Yankee Stadium. I've had those moments of glamour for sure. Mm-hmm. But but. You know, God looks at the whole picture and as scripture says, to humble yourself under his hand, he'll exalt you at the proper time. But what is the exalt? Mm. Sometimes it's just his favor and it's his smile. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into bigger contracts or bigger audiences. When I have been on stages or preaching at crusades or churches or outreaches in Uganda, I look out at the hundreds and sometimes thousands of people that do come there. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has reminded me, this is your audience. Yeah. This is your audience. They're hungry. They're open. Some of these audiences, Danielle, will stand in the hot sun with no water and no food for wow. upwards of eight hours uh, to hear the word of God. Wow. I mean, I don't know if in America we can go for an hour and a half before thinking, when's the church service over? You know what I mean? I'm ready to get to like, you know, tacos or something, you know. But, but, But there is purpose in our lives that we don't know. And success is defined by God not by us and not by the world and not by followers that we have or, or you know, the attention that's garnished in many ways here. Mm-hmm. Once, um, I'll never forget, I was feeling a bit like a failure. I battle that. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, In an industry, as a writer or a speaker or a leader, even in the nonprofit world, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, it's who's vying for the dollars and who's doing the better campaigns yeah. and blah, blah, blah. I, oh, hate, all I yeah. hate all of it. It's not just you. I hate all of it. I think all of us, you know even churches even pastors mm-hmm. are all in this strange time frame of life in uh, and, and culture yeah. where you know it's all about attention mm-hmm. but i'll tell you one day i was sitting in a parking lot feeling so overwhelmed by the failure punches as i call it you know just those mm-hmm. yep. gut in punches gut. where yeah. i'll never <laughs> measure up i'm not doing as much as this person or that person i'm such a failure blah yeah. blah blah and i had this picture of myself running on a track. And I'm not a fast runner. I, you know, I never have been a fast runner. I love to run, but I'm not a fast runner. But on this track, it was a race. It was my race. And there were people running beside me in other lanes, but I was definitely just looking down in my own lane and when I started to look beside me at the people running in the lanes next to me, I started to even fall further behind. Mm, yeah. But I remember hearing, and this is going to sound kind of crazy, but these are the kind of driven visions and dreams yeah, I have. No. <laughs> As I looked on the side of the track, there was grass. And on the side of the track, I saw the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit cheering and running along with me cheering for me. Go, Gary, you're doing great. Keep going. And it was as if in that moment, I recognized that God is cheering us in our lane. Mm. We don't have to try to run someone else's lane. We don't have to look at them in the other lanes because the finish line is designed for us, you know, and it's not a competition against Mm -hmm. these other people Mm -hmm. because aren't we all doing the same thing, which hopefully is to love God and love people? Yep. I mean, we're all trying to do the same thing. and so I've learned such lessons in Africa when I'm preaching in you know half walls of a church with no ceiling, but it's filled with praising people hungry to hear the Word of God, mm-hmm. you know, or when I'm helping uh, a child that would have no other way to attend a school or someone who has no other access to medicine mm-hmm. um, or or any. Comfort whatsoever, and to be able to offer that is really to do something that's the most meaningful piece of life. And yet, I don't feel guilty. It's it's strange, Danielle. Our life, we minister to the very richest of the rich in this country, baseball players, and the poorest of the poor.
0: Yeah,
1: in Uganda, Africa, and the needs are all the same.
0: It's all the same. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So stay in your lane. because if you veer off to that lane, whatever is God's put in your path for you gets unattended to. If you That's if right. you veer and you look at the other way. So, mm. so for the listeners out there who are going, okay, um, I'm striving. I feel like a failure. I'm feel like I'm not satisfied where I am. Um, this is the Lessons I Learned podcast. So if you were to maybe think of younger Gary or a young woman in her 20s or a teenager or something like that, um, I have in the book that I, I gave you here today, my, my latest book, I have kind of a, a section at the end of each chapter called, I Wish I Had Known. And mm-hmm. um, so what can you share with those uh, women, maybe there's some men out there too listening who are striving and feeling like a failure and are just, hoping for success, just praying that um, what's around the corner is better than what they have now um, and that that's going to fulfill them. That's going to be, finally, I can breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to them just to end this and, um, and just share some of the wisdom you've learned? Yeah,
1: that's good. Well, you know, I'd say two things. Number one, I'd say often I believe that, especially in America, we don't have a lot of tenacity when it comes to spiritual items and especially prayer.
0: Mm, Tenacity,
1: mm -hmm. defined by Oswald Chambers, one of my favorite writers at the beginning of the 19th century, he defines it as the absolute certainty that what we hope for will transpire. That spiritual tenacity, mm-hmm. and so I think when Jesus talked about ask and seek and knock, he was really talking about a tenacious yeah, way of praying. It's not overnight. quick; yeah. it's not a quick fix. We pray for two minutes and think, "Well, where's the answer?" And if it's yeah. not there in a day, you know, often we move on to the next thing, or we feel like, "Well, God just said no," and I don't know, and nothing ever happens for me. Or you know, right. we kind of can sink into that. I would say to uh, our sweet listeners right now that you know sometimes God answers a quick yes those are wonderful answers I love when things like that happen sometimes he answers no when God answers something we pray for no it's always for two reasons either he's protecting you from something
0: mm-hmm.
1: or he has something better yes. for you that you don't even know how to pray so, so the no is actually a good thing mm-hmm. but thirdly and this is the one where people tend to forget sometimes he's not saying no he's saying not yet right not right. yet so you you need to keep going you know if we had quit praying for that major league job that took 16 years to get. You know, I don't know that we would have experienced or even been where we are now. Mm-hmm. Right now we're in the 7th year of praying that Bobby will be a major league manager. Mm-hmm. For us nothing's come quick, hardly. Yeah. Every now and then things come quick, but mm-hmm. mostly we learn things through a spiritual tenacity. Yep. The second thing I'd leave with our listeners today is that uh, one of my favorite scriptures is from Proverbs, and it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart; don't lean on your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will set your paths straight." I think so often we think we know the right path, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or or we, we we've prayed about it. We know the Lord, but we but you know we're just we're just kind of still in the control mode, you know. But when God says to trust with all our hearts. Mm -hmm. That's what my life has been about. I mean, I've lived for five decades and I'm still, still learning that Mm -hmm. and will be till I believe I take my last breath on earth. You know, learning to trust the Lord with all our heart is the most powerful measure of success Mm -hmm. that anyone on earth will ever have. Because, you know, the Bible says someday we're going to stand before the Lord and that things will be measured. You know, some will come out like straw and hay. And others will come out like gold. And I think a lot of the things that we'll watch in people's lives that we thought were gold perhaps are straw. And hey, Mm -hmm. things in my own life that maybe I thought were the best pinnacles, the most measures of success might end up not being what meant the most to Him. But when we trust Him, you know, then we have the peace Mm -hmm. that surpasses understanding. And then it won't matter that we're in control. We trust Him. And the success will come because it comes from Him.
0: Yeah, so much, um, I'm just thinking, it's good for us when there's tr- struggle to the goal because often we think the the pinnacle is the goal, but really the end game is actually who God makes us to be on the journey in yeah. the process, and the goal is to become Christ-like. So, um, you know, if we have too much success heaped on us in too quick of a time, it's just going to ruin us. That's right. And you know, I've said often before, I feel like our struggle and our journey, and some people might look at us and think, "Oh, you're successful," but you know, we have so much more we're reaching for. And often I say, you know what? When those highs have come, it's like, yeah, praise the Lord. But there's been such a struggle in the process that it's like, yes. you know what? Thank you, God, that you didn't get us from point A to point B as quickly as we wanted to Mm -hmm. get there. Um, And, you know, I've lived and I've told you about um, our story um, and I've shared in my book and with lots of people, um, being living and surrounded by extreme wealth, um, I'm so thankful that the Lord brought me to a place like that at a very young age to learn lessons that people who are decades older than me, still learning, um, because there, there were pe- I was surrounded by people that had every earthly thing, and yet there was still void. The, the drug use and alcoholism numbers were skyrocketed through the roof there because people around me had everything, and yet they still felt nothing inside. And so it's so um, good when God gives us a little bit of struggle, a little bit of, um, you know, uh, along the journey, um, because it makes us lean into Him. And um, so this has been so good, I want to keep going and going. I I don't know know. how long should a podcast be, because (laughs) um, I know that the listeners are are just grabbing onto every word that you have to say, and it's such wisdom. But thank you so much. Um, I'm going to end it here, but before I go, I'm gonna say, the boys my boys dan took the boys out like in the creek nearby and they're going to be a while like hunting for crayfish so i don't know maybe we should just have some girl time and like even head to anthropology or something <laughs> like that <laughs> but thank you so Aww. much for being on this podcast and um you're here there and everywhere i follow you on instagram when i'm not seeing you and i know you're busy woman. so i really just value the time that you've taken to share with my listeners thank you oh, so much my pleasure thank you so much danielle Gary's story and advice for us is invaluable. There's so many of us walking around chasing dreams and chasing things that will never satisfy and will often disappoint. Jim Carrey once said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed so they can see that it's not the answer. Friends, The success that we long for and the dreams that we chase that aren't given by God are meaningless, and they are vanity of toil, as King Solomon put it. We waste time and run out of breath chasing the wind, but when we cling close to the true vine, we drink in everything we will ever need. Jesus is our source and our sustenance— Not those friendships, that financial bracket, or being insta-famous. Success is defined by God. And as Gary reminds us, trusting Him with our whole hearts will lead us straight to Jesus. Is there any higher place? So, we must put our stock in things that last, not in what thieves and moth and rust destroy— We must run after the things of God and value what He values. And if you have been running the good race and fighting for what matters, but feeling like you're coming up short, let me remind you of Gary's encouragement. Stay in your lane. Don't look to the left and the right. That is where God is cheering you on. And don't give up. Be tenacious in prayer. Ask, seek, knock, and the door will be opened. And trust that God knows the best pathway for your life, even better than you do. I hope you've been encouraged, challenged, and have learned something new today. It is my passion to help women become the best version of themselves with God's help. All the ministry we do, we feel deeply called to and we live by faith doing it. Would you consider supporting our ministry at patreon.com slash macaulays. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot c-o-m slash m-a-c-a-u-l-a-y-s. You may see a link on your screen nearby if you're tuning in using YouTube, SoundCloud, or my website. But if not, that's where you can go to find us. We are grateful for every one of you who believe in us and champion our ministry. Lots and lots of love, Danielle.